Right on. You guys know that uh, last week we gave out these cards, and there's some more of these cards at each of the tables over here by our rusty offering bucket. Um, and uh, anyways, we, so we have these cards, and uh, I asked you to maybe use these cards and be able to share the gospel with your, uh, you know, with people that God brings you to, to, and it would be an easy way to do it. And so how many of y'all got to use your card this week? Awesome. And I'm going to give you an opportunity if you want to, and, and we'll let a little, we'll, we'll let Sophie cut. Sophie, are you going to do it from there? Are you going to come up here? Come on up here, Sophie. All right. Sophie's one of our youth. Sophie's one of our youth, man, and she didn't waste any time in sharing the card with someone, sharing Christ with someone. Go ahead. How did you do it, man? What happened? We were out to eat lunch. Okay. Okay, I'm going to translate for it. We were out to eat lunch. <laughs> oh, go ahead. And we were at the Red Dad dropped his card, and the waitress gave him the card. Back and I'm like, you should tell her what it means. And he was like, no, you should. <laughs> and like, and then I told her what the colors meant. Right on. Amen. That's awesome. Did she? What did she say when you told her what the card meant? What the colors meant? Yeah. Thank you. All right, right on, man. So her dad dropped the card. Do you think that was on accident? Like, it was on Terry's part, but, uh, but man, everything out for, and, and, and there it was. She's like, you tell dad, you tell him who the, what the card meant. And he's like, no, you. <laughs> and, and she did, man. Isn't that awesome? Yay! Right on. So, uh, all right, thank you, Sophie. Anyone else want to share just basically how you got to use the card? I'm glad you used it. Anybody else? No? You're going to keep it all? You good? You want to share? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, Dan. Come well, on, man. I'll tell anybody about him, you know, and An establishment down the road. Those are great places to share your card. Yeah. It really, truly is. Yeah, dude. And, and so we just started talking, and I explained the colors, and I explained what he's done in my life, and how I love him. Amen. That's all. Yeah. Amen. And that's all God called us to do as a witness is explain, to share with people what he's done in your life. Laura, I know you're pretty private. Did you want to share that in public? No, you didn't. Well, um, I had many conversations with a co-worker, and God put him on my heart last Sunday. He was leading the last day with CJ. And he had a lot of conversations about Christianity and his race. And he's seen people. I've lost my witness by leaving my tool of work and all sorts of things and asking for forgiveness. And um, So he was leaving, and I was waiting, and I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. are available make sure you grab one throw a couple in your pocket and, and again God's not called us to share this with everyone but we're supposed to be willing to and when he says to sometimes man you know if there was somebody who was literally on fire 
you would not hesitate to dump a bucket of water on their head, would you? <laughs> and, uh, and, and they wouldn't mind that. But yet the devil gets us so deceived and afraid that, man, somebody's going to be offended. Somebody's going to be this. Maybe they're already a Christian. We have so many excuses, reasons. But that's the one thing we've been left here to do is share the gospel with folks. And the gospel is simply what he's done for us if we're a believer. So again, this yellow reminds me always when I see this yellow that I've got a home forever with God. Where? In heaven, man. That's where we start because that's where we're going to be way longer than we're ever on this earth, man. I think it's an injustice to start the gospel with, hey, you want a better life? You want to like, you know, I'll, dude, you want a better life? There's nothing wrong with that better life here. But how many of you all know that when you gave your life to Christ, persecution came? There were things that came that were a little bit different. You know, God doesn't remove the storms. He just gives us a seaworthy vessel to, to ride them out in. But the, the awesome life we're going to have one day, and, and we, don't, we don't really even know what it's going to be like, but he says in our wildest imaginations, that's even you, Carol, in your wildest imagination, <laughs> you are not, you cannot even imagine how awesome heaven's going to be. So, man, I've got a home in heaven where I'm going to be living with him forever, but this dark color, this black, represents what's separated from me from God, which is my sin, man. And everybody's a sinner. There's no exceptions to that. The Bible says all of sin and come short of the glory of God. And uh, so you, you two brothers right here, you were in some Merchant Marine Academy and all that. Dude, I am going to look that up. So were you all pretty good swimmers? Did you have to do that or did you just do boats, man? Okay, so, so you guys, in your heyday as swimmers, uh, if you guys took off from here and started swimming to the Bahamas, okay, which one of you would do better? Uh, oh, you would. All right. So, but let me ask you a question. Which one of you would actually make it? You would make it all 49 miles to the Bahamas. All right. All right. Well, then how many, you're racing to England. All right. So let's just switch the illustration up. How many of y'all would make it to England? Nobody would. So, you know what, it, the point is, is that because of, because of our sin, we all fall short of God's goal, which is his glory. We, we, none of us are going to make it the whole way. And so if you don't make it the whole way, it doesn't matter how close or far you get if you're going to sink at some point. And that's what sin does to us. It, it separates us. Uh, we have to be perfect to get to heaven or have a perfect sacrifice, and we don't have it. But that's what this red represents is that perfect sacrifice, again, that Christ performed on the cross because as he was 100% God and 100% man, he, uh, he lived a perfect life and died on a cross to pay for my imperfect sins. And, and God gave me the desire and ability to believe that and to trust in him. And when he gave me and you the desire to do that, now we have what kind of life? How long does it last for? Yeah, it's eternal life, lasts forever. And so instead of taking us to heaven right away, taking us to heaven where, how many of y'all could be happy in heaven? Man, eat and not get fat. Let's just stick with that one, all right? Never get in trouble again. Never say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing. How many of y'all be good with that? Yeah. Man, never need, no, no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more suffering. Anybody good with that? Yes, he could meet all those desires, fulfill all of those in heaven. But this green reminds me why he left me behind. And that is so that through the situations in life, for the rest of the time he chooses to have me here on this planet, I can grow more in love with him. And as I grow more in love with him, what happens? I grow more in love with others. And the reason I'm being redundant and sharing this again and again is so that, man, you can just hear different things that'll stick. And when God says, 
share it. <laughs> you'll be like, oh, and, 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 and you'll just start, and it happens. You know this. You know what God's done in your life, and that's what he wants us to share with others is that. But it leads perfect into here because um, this next set of scriptures, you know that last week we learned that, that when you're filled with the Spirit, when you're filled with power, he then calls you to preach. And when you preach, there's persecution. And when you have persecution, that causes you to pray. And when you pray, he gives you more boldness. And then there you start preaching again, okay? You got that? Let's write it. You start by you're full of the Spirit and you've got power, so you start preaching and you preach you get it causes you then to and then you start preaching again that's the cycle as a believer whether it's verbally preaching or preaching with your actions whether it's preaching by by doing something but it, how you handle a situation no matter what your life preaches and as a spiritual believer you're going to use your mouth your body your expressions you're going to use your talents your your treasures your time you're going to use all of that to preach the gospel at some point in time. And one of the things that I am so grateful for uh, uh, since he's left me behind is my family, my church family, my, my family of believers. I'll never forget the first time I ever went to Nigeria, and I'm not going to tell that whole story again, but, man, I've traveled all the way across, man, up to New York. I thought that was forever because I'd hardly been out of the state of Florida, and, and I was like 35 maybe. <laughs> and, and, and then we went over to Amsterdam, then down to Nigeria, and I get there, and people I had never met that could hardly even speak my language, and I, could, I couldn't speak theirs for sure. And, and all of a sudden, they're full of love for me. These people just two years early had Islamic people in their community give gas to anyone who would burn the stuff that Christians own. And these people who had been so heavily persecuted by Islam and had all their possessions burned and, and, and they've been tortured and killed, yet they welcomed me as a believer because we had the same Holy Spirit. Man, then I started going to Trinidad on a regular basis. And first time I ever met these folks, man. Man, open arms, loving me just like I'd been there forever. Going into Jamaica, no matter where I went in Jamaica, and I'm with believers in churches, and they didn't know me from anybody, but they knew I had the Spirit of God, and I knew they did. We loved each other. You guys, when you guys, man, Jamaica, Bahamas, Nicaragua, it doesn't matter where, if there's believers, we all have the same spirit, and there's a unity there. When you show up, man, I'll never forget the first time I met you. <laughs> really, seriously, the first time I met you, I could sit there and I could talk about each one of you today the first time I met you and how God, through his Holy Spirit, has brought a bond that, man, you're my family and I need you as my family. And what that family thing is called in Scripture, it's a Greek word, koinonia. It's called koinonia. Everybody say that on three. One, two, three. Koinonia, all right? And koinonia is fellowship. It's, it's, it's fellowship. And as I told you maybe a month or so ago, this old country preacher told me the best definition for koinonia and fellowship is two fellas in a ship, right? And I ain't talking about a big ship. I'm talking about if, if you and me and a few other people were stranded miles out to sea and we were in a little dinghy and we were out there, that's two fellas in a ship. And you know what? No matter what I got, what you have, we're all in it together. And we're going to pool our resources. We're going to pool our talents. We're going to pool our time, pool our treasure. We're going to pool it all together. 
You know, somebody's got to stay awake. Let's just say it's me, Tom, and Terry. Tom, man, you got to stay awake for this eight hours, and we're going to sleep. <laughs> and then next time you get to sleep, and I get to stay awake. And, and we pull our time. We pull our treasures. Man, Terry's got a, a little jar of Vienna sausages, bro. That's it. And Terry's over there, you know, hoarding them and hiding them. And, but as a believer, Terry just whoops them out and says, Tom and Eddie, I want you to have the first Vienna sausages. That's spirit-filled, right? Because you ain't doing that in the flesh, brother, are you? But you pull those resources that you have. We sew our clothes together and don't care about how fat our bellies are, man. And we just put it, not you, Terry, you're like buff now because you've been not eating carbs, right? And, and we, we make a giant covering over top of our, over top of our tent. Our, our, we, we pull it together. We take whatever we have and we do whatever it takes to make it work. You know what I'm talking about, folks? And that's what koinonia is. Instead of two fellows in a ship, it's all of us who have given our life to Christ, to our believers. And when we are filled with the Spirit, we realize that everything we have belongs to God. And not a bit of it belongs to us. And one day we're going to give an account to what he's given us and how we use it for him. Because it's all his. And, and it's, it's not mine. So I don't have to worry about holding on. If he says give it away, I give it away because either I don't need it or he's going to give me more to give away. And that's what we're going to see in this little passage here. Now, I'm going to tell you a couple things. Let's, let's go ahead and look at the first verse in chap, uh, verse 32, chapter 4 of the book of Acts. That's where we ended last week. It says, now the multitude. And this multitude, if you can remember, uh, a couple of weeks ago, it was 3,000 people because of this message Peter preached. And this lame guy that had been lame for 40 years got healed. And, and everybody, about 3,000 people believed. Now because of this next message Peter preached, a couple of thousand more. And where we ended off, we have now seen 5,000 men. 5,000 men come to believe in the resurrection of Christ that they now believe Jesus was the Messiah and they've got a home in heaven. And that's not including the women and children and other people. So there's a multitude. All of a sudden, they're all in Jerusalem. They don't all live in Jerusalem. A lot of them all came because of the festivals and the feasts. And so they've kind of, you ever been on vacation and then you stay longer, Kevin? No, I'm just saying, it's like you moved here, right? But I'm just, a lot of people did that. But you know how, how when you come and, and all of a sudden you stay longer than you got resources for, if you got a good reason for staying, you need some help and being taken care of, right? That's what we're seeing here. These people, they weren't expecting to become born again believers in the risen Jesus Christ, that he's the Messiah. They weren't expecting any of that. It came for a Jewish holiday, probably just jumping through the hoops and doing all the religious rituals, and I'm going home. Honey, I'll mow the yard when I get home. That meant like herding up the goats, I think. But I'm going to do this. I'll get all this yard work. I'll fix that when I get home. And they got born again. They got saved. They gave their life to Christ. And the central location for all of that now was Jerusalem because there were just the disciples. And they loved Jesus so much that they just wanted to hear more and more and be a part of this body of believers. And so they just stayed. Where are they going to get food? Where are they going to stay? Where are they going to get resources? So again, like many of the things in the book of Acts, it's a one-time situation. But it has applications for us for all until he takes all of us home. But it says this multitude of those who believed from all over the world who came, it says they were of how many hearts? One heart and one soul. What happens when in your family, between a husband and a How many of y'all know God puts opposites together? Y'all know God puts opposites together, right? 
These are strengths, these are weaknesses, okay? And, uh, and, and in your relationship, strengths, weaknesses, if both of you were the same, one of you would not be necessary, okay? That's just the way it works. So he put strengths and weaknesses together, Fernanda. Did he put an opposite with you? Yes, and that you're perfect for each other. And that's it. You spend your life leaving your family, weaving and cleaving together. Leaving, cleaving, and weaving so this is what you can form as a family. You know? But he does that with believers. He does that in every group you're at. You know who we don't like? You know the people that irritate you the most? And you think about this. You might disagree with me right now. But the ones that irritate you the most are the ones you're most like. I will guarantee you're like, oh, no, I am not like that person. That's why you're so irritated. You are so irritated because when they do things and say things and act that way, Lord Kearns fixes and hit me, aren't you? you know, like, she's thinking, so, oh, I am not like that person. But, man, when, when they do stuff, it's like, you ever heard the saying, the truth hurts, right? You know? And so what happens, you see a piece of yourself that you don't like. And you want to run from it. You want to hide from it in all of that. But in reality, God puts opposites together so that we can come together. And he puts people just like us together so that we can, show, we can see our blind spots and we can get better. And so you see someone that you don't really like, just make sure, pray for them and pray for you to not do the things that you don't like about them because you probably are doing that. <laughs> and so you pray and say, God, Am I like that? God revealed to me how I do that. God revealed to me and let him work on your soul. I guarantee you, dude, it will be like sandpaper on a marshmallow. <laughs> and man, it will, be, it will be a tough thing when he starts working on your heart. But so when we got people together that, that are like us, that irritate us, how, how, how many of you like have that relative at Thanksgiving? You also have family dinners and all that? And that one you see once a year? You know, how many hearts do you have sometimes at those family get-togethers? How many of y'all ever have just one heart? That's our house, one heart. It's just bliss. <laughs> no, dude, man, that's like, that's why you only get together once a year. I'm just joking. It's like, that's why you only, you only tell those people once a year you're getting together. <laughs> that they really don't want to be there either. So, yeah, I saw a T-shirt yesterday at SeaWorld. I got to share this with you. The dude came in. It was such a cool shirt. It said, I'm late because I don't want to be here. <laughs> I was like... Dude, that's the truth. So there was in this group of believers that hated some of the people. They, they, yeah, but prior to giving their life to Christ, man, they were competing with each other. They were trying to be the best singer. They were trying to be the prettiest person. They were trying to be the most talented at this area. They were trying to do all the things that we compete with. They didn't like each other. There were also people that were opposites that was like, oh, you know, and and God, when they all surrendered to Christ and started following him, he took all these hearts and he made them into how many? One. One. Isn't it amazing when he does that? I think that's why he he did that in marriage, actually, man, so that the only way to really keep getting better and better in marriage is through him, man. He not only made put in opposites together, but he made men and women different. How many of y'all know that? <laughs> Dude, how many of you men know that you will never figure out a woman? <laughs> yes. And you guys are the ones who have been married the longest, <laughs> right? It ain't happening. 
And, and yeah, I'm not even going with the women thing. I'm not, I'm not speaking on that. I can say a few things, but I'm not, because it will do nothing but get me in trouble, I promise. So anyways, but when we all surrender and give our lives to Christ, and we are surrendering moment by moment, he makes us of one heart and one soul. You know what that one soul represents? It represents one mind. It represents one mind. Your soul is all of you. It's you. But it usually comes in your mind. So one soul in one mind. And even though Laura and I may have a different way of looking at things, in your room we have a different way of looking at things if we're with one mind, it doesn't mean we're going to see it all the same way. Because God's going to take our talents, our desires, our abilities, our tendencies, and he's going he's to, that's the beauty of it. He brings us all together and we have different minds, but he brings it all together and we know that when we become of one heart, it's all going to work together. You know, the worst thing you can ever do is just totally do what the other person wants to do all the time. Because one day you're going to get resentful for, with that. You know, my wife, I've told her, I've said, well, I've told her a lot of things. She ever left me, packed my bags, I'm going with her. That's probably the best one. So I, I, got, a, I got a spouse forever. But... But the stupidest things I've ever done, the other day I walked out and, my, and, and Laura, uh, Laura had to sign a check or something and Laura said, yeah, your wife wrote something, man, that was why. You should listen to your wife. You remember saying that? Yeah, she was just like, yeah, oh no, it was exactly like that. That's how I heard it. She's like, you should listen to your wife. <laughs> and I was like, I do. The stupidest things I've ever done have been when I've gone against my wife's counsel. God put her in my life to show me things. He's not going to show me any other way. And the same thing with you all. The last thing in the world we need in Christianity is a bunch of homogenous Christians where everybody's cookie cutter and everybody's exactly the same. He made us all different. We, he's given us the freedom to be a spirit-filled ourselves, man. You know, that's what he's done with us. And if we will surrender ourselves to him, he will make all of us different people, one mind and one soul, one heart. One, it will come together, and even though we've got different ways of doing things, we'll come together, maybe sometimes in a healthy conflict, and we'll come together and find the best way to get it done the way he wants. But if it's got to be the way you want, is it always going to be the way he wants? Yeah. Well, some of you are saying, yeah, because I know exactly what God wants, and they won't listen. <laughs> you know, right? Y'all ever feel that way? It's like, you just listen to me. I'm telling you what God wants. But honestly... <laughs> God's put people in your lives, and believe it or not, they're seeing it from his perspective, too. And it might not be the same way as you see it. So which one's wrong? Which one's right? It's, it needs, both of you need to surrender and watch. The most beautiful thing you could ever see is an impossible situation where people just don't seem to be on the same page, but the Holy Spirit brings them all together in a non-homogenous form, and you see the work of God's hand in it. That's what we're seeing right here in this. One heart, one soul. And look what this says in the next part. It says, neither did anyone say that any one of the things he possessed was his own. So all of a sudden now, even the Jerusalem people and people living on the island who came, you know, I, I don't, it's like Terry with his Vienna sausages, man. It wasn't like, no, these are mine. <laughs> you guys go catch some fish. You guys go desalinate some water. You do this. You know, it, it was like none of the people who were there said what I got is mine. They didn't say it was yours. Whose did they say it was? It was God's. And do you, if you believe God is the, the owner of a cattle on a thousand hills, if you believe everything was made for him, by him and for him, if you believe 
that by him he holds everything together. If you believe what the world, what the word says about the world, about the universe here, that it's God's, then you got to believe everything you have is God's, and we are just simply here to manage it. Neither did anyone say that any one of the things he possessed was his own. And now let me just hit this real super quick. And I like to throw it into three categories. You've heard me mention before. You got time, you got talent, and you got treasure. You know what? Time. There's some of you that have time and you're like, I got time, but I don't have any talent. I don't have any treasure. <laughs> you know, some of you are like, I got time and I got treasure, but I got no talent. You know, you're, you're throwing off. Time is so valuable. Man, how many of y'all would love to have some time? How many of y'all don't have time? Let me see your hands. You don't, don't have time. Nobody, y'all? Yeah, yeah. I know. I hear you guys. I see your text. Yeah, man, sometimes our schedule's flying. Time's a valuable commodity. And one day we're going to even account to God what we've done with our time. How about your talent? How many of y'all got talent? That's it, man. Look at I, I'm, I'm so glad Bree just raised her hand right up. She didn't, she, she didn't look around first to see who else was raising their hand up. Bree just raised your hand up said, yeah. And, and every one of you have talent. You can do stuff that nobody else can do. God especially equipped you with talent. And he did that so you can use it for his glory. But we always boil all this down to treasure. And that's kind of the danger sometimes. Now, I'm not telling you don't put a tithe in the offering, okay? Because when we can't pay the rent, we can't take care of things. You know, that's not what I'm saying is, but everybody always, you know, sometimes think, okay, well, I put my 10% in. No, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. My time, my talent, my treasure. It's not about that. You, everything you have belongs to God. Your time, your talent, and your treasure. But so often in this materialistic world we live in, we've reduced it to material things. I think we have all three, and we need to just be giving all of it to him in the ways that he's asking us to give it. I mean, I'm not going to make you raise your hand, but how many of you guys have asked God today, what do you want me to put in that rusty bucket today? You're like, oh, we talked about that long ago, man. He, when I got saved, it was 10%. No, you know, it's <laughs> in tithing. People say, oh, that's an Old Testament thing. Well, yeah, it is, but the Old Testament people tithe 30%, actually. <laughs> And, you know, when it came down to tithing for the different things. But in the New Testament, what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to take what we have and say, God, what do you want me to give? It's all yours. So what do you want me to give and where do you want me to give it? And we give what God tells us to. And he only wants it as we learned on, what was it, Thursday night in a small group Thursday night when they started building the tabernacle. They just got out of Egypt. And he said, I only want the stuff that I'm asking for from the people who are willing to give it. Don't force anybody. Just say, whoever's willing to give us 75 pounds of gold so we can make this lamp stand out of one piece of gold, go ahead and give that. And guess what? They got everything they needed because he put it in people's hearts and people were willing to give because they knew they got it from God. Either that or they were tired of lugging around this 75-pound piece of gold. <laughs> I don't know. Anybody here be tired of that? <laughs> Think about that. Um, so anyways... He said, neither did any one of these, uh, of the things he possessed was his own. But look at this, they had all things in common. Now, some people have said, well, this is socialism, this is communism, this is it. It's none of this. It's not communism because they didn't give it to a government, and the government then decides who gets it, like kind of Nicaragua and some other different places where communism, it doesn't work, okay? Because there's always, if it, all these things would work if we lived in a perfectly moral world where everybody would want what's best for everybody, but power does some crazy things to people, and there's always gonna be somebody 
that thinks they should get a bigger chunk. So it's not communism where it's given to a government and they decide what goes on with it. It's not socialism where they put it all in a pile and they divided it up and they gave everybody an equal amount. That's not what it was. What this situation is that you see is that everybody was filled with the Spirit. And the Spirit of God let people know when there were needs to be met. How many of you have ever given something to somebody or done something for somebody or said something to somebody and they say, how did you know that's just what we needed? Anybody ever been a part of that? That's the Holy Spirit of God and that's what this happened. What happened here? How'd that make you feel when God did that? Anybody say, man, I quit listening to God after that. (laughs) I don't want nothing to do with that no more. But, But seriously, that's what this is. You're so walking with, the, with God, knowing that it all belongs to him, knowing that you're going to give an account one day, and knowing that your purpose is being two fellows in a ship and, and basically getting through this life, doing what God has called you to do, using the resources he's given you, that you're looking for opportunities to further the cause of Christ. No matter how, that's not just with church, that's out here, that's everywhere. And you're looking for opportunities saying, what do you want me to do with this, God? What do you want me to do with this, God? What do you want me to do? Not like I'm holding on to this and whatever I have left over, I'm going to squeeze a little out for you. You can get my leftovers. You have my junk for Jesus, man. No. Everything we have is his. And so it wasn't communism. It wasn't, it wasn't socialism. It wasn't any ism. What it was was just people letting God be the boss. And he would say, dude, I want you to go do this for that person and this person had been praying, saying, God, I got this need. Maybe they've made, let, let the need be known. Maybe they didn't. But what happened, you're going to find out, is everybody's needs were being met. So look at this. It says, but they had all things come. Verse 33, and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. So they weren't worrying about how they were paying the bills. They weren't worried about how these people were going to be eating who were from the island of Crete or from this island or that. They weren't worried about how people's needs were being taken care of because everybody was hearing from the Holy Spirit. And God is a good enough manager to manage all the resources in this world. Y'all believe that? Man, you can look up. The heavens declare the glory of God. You ever look up on a starry night and wonder why all those stars are there? You know, it's not for you to think, dude, I bet there's UFOs. <laughs> I want to meet a Martian one day. No, it's like, you know, I don't know if that all exists. I really don't know, and God doesn't really bring me there. But what I do know is those little stars up there are bigger than our planet, and God keeps all those giant things in order. And if one of those was crashing down to this earth, going to land at the house where you just now got walls up and they poured concrete in and it's crashing down on that. Would anything matter other than that? No, but that's not happening because God is keeping all those giant planets in orbit. He's keeping them all there. Don't you think he's got your situation? Don't you think he can manage your stuff if you will let him be the manager instead of you being the manager? And so here it was, that's why the disciples had great power because they were staying focused on Christ. They were, they were full of, they were using whatever God gave them for his glory, for the purpose to be his poster child. With great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. In other words, supernatural things were happening, and there was no other explanation than the fact Jesus rose from the dead. It was proven in those supernatural things that Jesus rose from the dead. And so it says, and great grace was upon them all. 
Hey, anybody want to tell me what the definition of grace is according to Philippians 2.10? I know you know it, Natalie. I know you know it. Anybody want to help me out with this? What's the definition of grace? You remember it, Ashley? Okay, that, that is, yeah. Mercy is not getting what we deserve, and grace is getting way more than what we deserve. But grace, according to Philippians 2.10, is the desire and ability to do, what, to do God's will. You hear that? Grace is the desire. He gives you the desire, and he gives you the ability, which is the resources, to do what he's called you to do. And so here's what's happening as everybody is focusing on God. They're loving God. and He's causing them to love people. Everybody's receiving great grace. And with that's coming great power to fulfill things. So these people are getting the desire and ability to do what God wants them to do. And everybody's seeing it. All right, we're almost done. We only got a few verses today. Is it hot in here? Yes. Is it hot? Man, didn't we prop these doors open? You think that'll? No. Yeah. What's that? Oh, is it hot outside too? All right. All right, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. So I'll, I'll try to get you through this, guys, here. All right, so all right. So that's where we're at right now. It says, uh, yeah, because I'm, I'm kind of seeing, you know, you guys, like, kind of like, you know. I'm seeing that glistening oil on your face, man. <laughs> you guys are, yeah, your foundation's not working anymore, ladies. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> and ours, we just, because this is all we got, right? <laughs> all right, so. Look at this, verse 34. It says, nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought, and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet and they distributed to each one as had a need. Now, what I want to say is that this was a unique thing for this unique time period. It is not setting a precedence. Ethan, I'm not sure what just happened right here. But it was not, I think you leaned on the, yeah, as you were sleeping right there. You, 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 that's all right, man. <laughs> you got to stay awake, bro. All right, so, all right. Whew, that's feeling good. All right, so it's not saying that this is our, what we do now, but everybody sells all their possessions and lays them at the apostle's feet. Because one, we don't have apostles. I am not an apostle. <laughs> I'm one beggar trying to show another beggar where I got a piece of bread this week, guys. That's who I am. And that's who you are. We just all have different positions in doing this. And we do have a church, and yes, you do bring your tithes and your offerings into that church, and, and, and you trust the people to do with it what they believe. That's why you're part of it, because you believe in what they're doing in, in this. And that's, and that's one organ or one vehicle to get this done. It doesn't mean to say you can't go do other things and support other ministries too. But ministries do need support, but that's, that's not what the point of all of this is. He, you know why? It, it, it makes it sound like everybody was selling all of their stuff. Everybody just put their sale signs up and sold everything. That's not what happened. What was happening is that all of a sudden God would come to EJ, and only EJ and Erica, and he would say, EJ and Erica, I want, I want you guys to sell this piece of property you guys have. And you're like, but that's my only property. He said, I don't care, sell it. And you now had a choice to show whether you love God or not, because the only way we can show God we love him is by what? Obedience. That's the only way we can show God. And so EJ and Erica could either sell it or not. They could either enjoy the benefits of, of being obedient and continue being filled with the Spirit, or they could hold on to what God, it already belongs to God, and not. And, and, and then deal with everything that goes down that trail, you know? But God would approach one person and say, you know, approach a group and say, hey, I want you to do this. Hey, I want you guys to do this. Hey, I want you to do this. I want you to, and it all involved time, talent, and treasure. It wasn't like everybody had a mass sale 
of everything. And then now they had a big pile of gold and the disciples were now bankers and trying to figure out how to do it. That's not what happened. God would put desires in individuals to sell their property is what he's talking about. And they would sell this and then they would take and they would now give it to the church. And that's how they were meeting the needs of these people from all over the place. And also not just that, but what happened if you were a Jewish person in a strong Jewish family in a strong Jewish community and all of a sudden now you gave your life to the one that they crucified and they haven't given their life to him yet. There was intense persecution. You were losing jobs. You were getting kicked out of families. Now you had a different family. You had a church family. And that church family took care of you in that. But God had to put in the heart of somebody to be able to provide the resources for the church to be able to take care of it. God did not drop a thousand East golden Easter eggs from a helicopter down on the church. <laughs> he put it in the heart of the people who were there to do that. Again, think about your time, think about your talent, think about your treasure and ask God to just show you where you're using them, man. I'm so proud of this church, man. I'm so proud of this family. I watch how you guys take care of each other. It's awesome. They truly do love each other. Anybody here neglected today? Anybody didn't get a hug? Let me see your hand. We'll, we'll just get every, you, did you want one? You did want a hug? Make, oh, yeah, make sure she gets one when we leave. Oh, you don't? Oh, you got it from Al, all right. I'm just saying, man, I, I appreciate the love that's in here with this family. But that love comes from being spirit-filled. And so basically says nobody was lacking for anything. All who were possessors of lands and houses sold them as God told them to do this. And they brought the proceeds and the things that were sold, laid at the apostles' feet, and the apostles that would pray and see where the needs were met. And we're going to see this happen a lot. We're going to see a lot of, uh, of this similar stuff in the book of Acts. Let's go to the next verse. Oh, that's it. <laughs> okay, just as the air starts kicking on. <laughs> All right. So here's the point I want you guys to remember today is I want you to remember that souls are more important than stuff. Can you guys say that? Souls are more important than stuff. But man, we live in a world where stuff's pretty important, isn't it? <laughs> and to us, our stuff's important. And man, souls are more important than stuff. We have been given stuff as believers to be able to lead souls to Christ. And that's what we're supposed to take from here. So here's, here's where I'd like you guys to go with all of this. Every one of us has time. Every one of us has talent. Every one of us has treasure. I'd like you guys to individually take that to God at some point today. I'm going to give you a chance to do that now, but I, I want you to really think about it and meditate on that sometime later today. You know, uh, is there football or something on there tonight? Yeah, how many of y'all don't care about football? Then use that time for that. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> And if it's a blowout, use that time for it. But I'm just saying, man, take some time and just say, God, you know what? Seriously, this is not something we can take care of in here in this corporate setting. But God, what are my talents? And, and how am I using these for your glory? And maybe you truly want to use your talents for God's glory, but you don't know how. Man, you don't know where. You know, that's where Ashley was a year ago. She's like, I'm an artist. How can I take my art and use it for God's glory? Well. How much glory did God receive today when we were just whooping stuff out of the praise jar, man? Wasn't that awesome? Yeah. And that came to her from God. And, and again, you got, many of you have had different revelations like that. But you got to ask and say, God, I want to use what I have for your glory. Jack, wouldn't it be awesome if you could do some kind of like get God, take people out hunting for God's glory? 
wouldn't you dig that? <laughs> yeah, be fine with him, man. <laughs> and you never, but you never know what God wants to do until you ask him. But we're so busy collecting possessions and protecting possessions and repairing possessions that we don't have time to check all this other stuff. So I really want you to think about time, talent, and treasure. And, and, and think, about, think about your talents. Say, God, what are my talents? How can I use these for your glory? And you say, well, this church, that happened. you know, here's our mission statement here. This is our model. We have big group. And this is as big as our big group gets right here, man. At this point, you know, we have big group. We come together for corporate worship. We have small group. We have big group, little group. We come together for small groups. And, and we've even got new small groups starting. And I want to encourage you, if you're not in a small group, get involved in one. They're awesome. Start one. We can start one at your house. <laughs> we can start with your neighbor's house. You got the keys. It doesn't matter, man. I'm just, I'm just saying, bro. We, we can start a small group. We just open the Bible. And we just start studying. It's awesome. And then the purpose of the big group and small group is to go. And go doesn't necessarily mean going to a foreign land. It, can, it does and can. It doesn't necessarily mean going just here. But what it means is you figuring out where God wants you to go. And as you start going, he starts leading you in different ways in different places. And as you're doing that, you figure out now how to use your time, talent, and treasure for him. So, man, I just want you to spend some time with God and think about your time, think about your talent, think about your treasure. You may say, man, I, wanna, I want to to have a tiddlywink. Anybody here know what tiddlywinks are? Who does not know what tiddlywinks are? Oh yeah, you guys, I didn't figure your generation would. I want to have tiddlywink tournaments all over the lost world and lead and share the gospel. Then dude, let's do it! <laughs> what I'm saying, I don't even think Google knows what tiddlywinks are, but anyways, I'm just saying, it doesn't matter. God so uniquely created you, he wants, he gave you those gifts to use for him. And you aren't going to know how to do it till you ask. And you got to keep asking and keep talking because what he's got you doing now, you're just a path. And you just keep evolving on his path. And you keep being like this where you're satisfied because you're serving him and doing what you've been called to do. So let's bow our heads. And I just want you to have an opportunity to get along with God. Um, you know? And I'm going to give you a couple things to think about. Um, nobody's going to like hit you over head or do something, pickpocket you or anything, I promise there. Just bow your head and kind of just chill and, and get along with God. Um, right now, would you ask God? I, I just feel this is where we start. Ask God where your talent is. Say, God, what's my talent? What have you gifted me with? Maybe it's something you don't even know you've been gifted with. You don't even think you have. Give the Holy Spirit the opportunity. Where's my talent? He says to me, it's singing. I'm like, oh, no, it's not. <laughs> Maybe after some lessons, I'll be able to do it. Maybe that's you. I'm just saying, where's your talent? Whatever he brings up, man, dream on it. He doesn't want to send everyone to Africa if you hate going to Africa. <laughs> he, he's given you desires and gifts to be used by him. Let's just dream for a minute. What if money was no object? What if you didn't have to pay bills, pay more, you had no responsibilities? What if you just had a paycheck coming in for the rest of your life that would suffice everything? What would you do? What would you go do if money was no object? How would you serve him if you didn't have to worry about any of that stuff? 
You know, somebody asked me that question in my transition, and I said, I want to be able to preach the gospel to surfers and people on the beach. And that wise man said, then go do it. I'm like, but I can't. <laughs> I will pay the bill. I don't know how it's going to work. I can't. And here we are, two and a half years later, because I got challenged with that question. Money was no object. What would you do? Maybe inside, you know exactly what it is, but you're saying, I can't. Oh, I can't tell you how far God's been stretching my faith for, and my family's faith for the last couple of years and continues to stretch it. How many of y'all got an idea of what you would do? Let me see your hand. Nobody's looking. What would you do? Cool. How many of you, right now, would you just ask God about your time? Say, God, how's my time? God, show me what kind of time I'm, I'm giving to you. You know, if we go by a tithe, that's 10%. That's a little over two hours a day. It would be a tithe of our time, but what does God get? I hope he gets all of it because you're constantly thinking about him. But I think he wants you to just kind of have a conversation and say, what, what kind of time am I giving you? How much time am I spending with you? That's all he really wants. And then would you ask a real hard question to him? Say, God, with all my treasure that I have, all the things that I have, the stuff I have, how much of it is mine and how much of it is yours? I know the Sunday school answer, but ask him to show you how much of it is yours how much of it is his. And if you need to later, continue that with him until you understand it's all his and you're willing to do with it whatever it is he wants you to do. There's no greater freedom than being able to trust him with your time, your talent, your treasure. And not trying to protect it and keep it all for yourself. Father, uh, this is not exactly how I thought this message was going to go, but I know that I've surrendered to your Holy Spirit. And I know this is how your Holy Spirit has taken this message today. I have no idea what you want to do with it in anyone's life except for mine. And I know that you've done a lot in that. So, Father, I pray that you would just speak to each heart. I pray in areas where we don't want to think about things and we want to resist you, you would just give us an undeniable and irrefutable desire to just pursue this with you. It's scary when you want to change things and do something different than what we're comfortable with. But Father, I just feel like that's what you want to do right now. And um, that's why I'm saying this. So Father, I just pray your Holy Spirit would speak to each of us as individuals. And whatever needs to be corrected would be corrected. And at the same time, as we are complying and we are in obedience following you, I pray you would bring that same amount of comfort and give us courage to keep doing what you called us to do. Thank you, Father, for being real. And I pray you'd make yourself more real to each of us than we've ever had you be real to us. Thank you for speaking. And I pray as we leave, everyone knows we've met with you. And I just pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.